welcome to the Garage Night Podcast. And uh, I have with me today... I'm Jeff. And Andy. Excellent. Um, so tonight we're going to go through, we're going to start with... Uh, Jeff's done a lot of stuff uh, with his cars lately, and uh, then we'll go through some uh, updates on Andy's Mustang, and uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, garage stuff finally um you know upgrades we've done or have planned and uh then we're gonna get into some uh some racing video game chat uh which i have been looking forward to quite a bit so let's let's go ahead and kick it off with uh jeff what kind of what do you got for us (laughs) Uh, well so it's been a few weeks i guess since our last um podcast uh real real lengthy podcast anyway where i gotta kind of divulge some of what's going on and my garage and um so i think it was let's see uh uh, three four weeks ago um i ordered or uh had been looking for a a seat for the rear of my uh 50 chevy for a while um i was really not smart and when i when i got the car the seats were both really mouse-eaten and nasty and they were just it was just just gross they're full of turds and just nothing you want to have around the house and I kept them on the side of the house for a while, and then I was just like, I need to get rid of these things. So I got rid of them and gave them away for like 25 bucks. And, <clears throat> you know, one one thing I've learned about this project is don't get rid of any parts until your project is done. Um, so for the last, you know, three months or so, I've been looking for a rear seat for my car. And uh, I finally found one in Wisconsin um, of all places, none of the local junkyards had one. No one was parting a car out, nothing, just couldn't find anything. And of course it's like unique to my, my one model of car. They're like, there's like three or four different types of, you know, Chevys, this body style that were made, but all had different seats, of course. So so it's because it's a coupe or is it because it's just 50 is the same or it's just two years or. So the, the business coupe, the two door sedan, which is what I have. And then the four door sedan and the four-door fleet line and the two-door fleet line all had different seat frames. Oh, wow. So they uh, the seat bottoms apparently are all interchangeable, but the seat backs are different heights and widths, um, So, which I didn't know. And this is all, you know, what I found in just research. Uh, you know, I'm sure people will be like, hey, that's not true. I've got a blah, 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 and whatever. This is what I was reading. And I also – did go find a guy with a fleet line one and it did not fit correctly. So it's, it sat too low, um, in the, in the, in the rear of the, uh, of my car. So anyway, so, um, I end up talking to my, my mom, who's like, uh, eBay queen, you know, she does all this eBay stuff. And she was talking to this guy who had a seat in Wisconsin <clears throat> and he was going to sell it to me for uh, 200 bucks, which is like a great deal. But then, like $400 for shipping. <laughs> so I ended up oh, getting this, Lord. you know, $600 rear seat because no one else had one. So um, spent way too much on a rear seat for this car. But anyway, I get the seat and it's, it is just a gem. It is perfect. Like it is mint. Um, it still had this, the tags on the back of it from the Great Lakes Spring Company, um, you know, when it was originally made, like no mouse nest, just like, just looked like it was cherry, you know? So what did I do? I got my bolt cutters and I started cutting the frame of it up so it would fit over my drive shaft tunnel. Oh. <laughs> I know it pained me to do it. Uh, 
but uh, but honestly, I was actually able to just to take out one small section of the frame, and I didn't cut any of the springs or anything, and it slid right in and fit perfect. So, um, it all uh, it all worked out great, and it, I put it in the back of my car. It looks fantastic. Took a lot of the sound out of uh, um, took a lot of the sound out of the of the of the back of the car, and so when you're driving down the road, it's a lot nicer now. Um, it's under a hundred decibels now. Oh yeah, no. Well, it's you. You got to ride it, man. It's been a long time. You didn't even get to ride with the new rear end before you left. But uh, it's it's actually like comfortable at speed now. The rear end doesn't howl or do anything weird. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, but what I was gonna say was, uh, in my transportation of uh, <laughs> in my transportation of the of the seat. Um, from I had a ship to my work and 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 when I was loading it up in the back of my Bronco I was like oh that's weird the carpet's wet and it's white you know in the back of my Bronco I'm like touching it and it's just soaked and it is mold all over the back of the carpet in the Bronco like white just nasty mold and I'm like are you uh, kidding me and so I so that night I pulled the seats out and I start I, I you know I moved my subwoofer a couple other things out of the Bronco and I'm I'm like I'm getting down on my hands and knees and I'm moving, I'm feeling around on the carpet and it is soaked all the way up to the front seats from the back of the truck. Like it is just soaked. And, uh, for like the last three or four months, I've been noticing condensation on the roof, you know, when I get, get into it. And so I was just like, are you kidding me? And so I'm thinking, I'm just thinking rust, you know, I'm like, how long has this been this way? This is just nasty. And then I'm thinking mold too. Cause the underside of the back seat was just covered in mold. And, uh, I'm like, this is just like, this is not safe to drive. So, uh, that night I pulled, I, I put my, uh, my respirator on and I went out there and I ripped all the interior out of the thing and, uh, uh cut the carpet out that I'd put in when I was in high school. And, um, you know, I could not find, there was no rust underneath the carpet. Amazingly. But the, there were these pads that basically sit they're like a particle board type pad that kind of fills in these little uh, floor kind of uh, dents that are like for uh, like, you know, adding rigidity to the floor kind of thing. Um, anyway, they, they kind of, this pad kind of sits in there and it was really damp, too. And so I, I pulled all of that stuff out and um, I decided, well, now's as good as time as any to get the seats recovered. So. I, uh, I've been talking with this guy up the road who does interior and he's really reasonable. And so I said, Hey man, uh, I got some seats for you to recover. Um, and I, uh, you know, what, you know, would you be interested? He's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, well, the, the tricky thing is, is I don't have a vehicle that I can, uh, take it to you with because the vehicle that I would take my front seats to you, uh, is the one that needs front seats <laughs> done, you know? So, um, anyway, he offered to come and, uh, come pick them up and he did. And so, um, he, he has them now and, uh, he sent me a picture of the material, the seat material I got for my Bronco seats. And, um, it didn't really match the factory material. And, uh, so I, I cruised over there and, and, you know, I talked to him, I said, and it's this company and, uh, I don't know, maybe I can throw him under the bus on here. We can always, uh, bleep this out or not, but, uh, they're the only place in the country i guess who does original automotive fabrics quote unquote and so um i you know I, i'm looking at this fabric and i i brought my my rear seat which you guys both know is just like cherry like it, it looks brand new it's like the one part of that truck that's like mint and so 
I took the rear seat to them and, you know, it's got this really nice pattern on it. You know, you can see the, it's got like green, it's kind of like a hound's tooth, but it has like green in it, uh, like little bands of green with black and grays and stuff. And this new material had none of the green in it and it was a little bit different pattern. And, you know, me being as picky as I am, um, I said, Hey, you know, this, this doesn't look quite right. And, and I'm like, do you mind if I call the company? So I call them and the lady just argued profusely with me that it was, no, that's, this is the right pattern. We got it from Ford, yada, yada. I'm like, listen, my dad's had this truck since it was basically brand new. And, uh, this seat has looked the same since it was basically brand new. It's not mold. It's not anything weird. And if anybody has any question about it, look at any 73 to 79 Ford pickup and they, with black interior and they have the same seat pattern. And she just argued with me to the end of the earth. And I said, so, okay, whatever. So I talked to my, the interior guy and he's like, well, they're the only game really in the country, um, that will produce this pattern or produces any type of factory type seat material. I said, it's your best bet. Yeah. It's my best bet to look something factory. So I said, okay, that's fine. But now I have to redo the rear seat too. And he said, okay, well, it's cool. I'll, I'll, you know, save the original material cause it's in such good shape and stuff. I said, cool. So, um, uh, business opportunity for anyone wanting to do something, uh, you know, like, you know, make a quality product is, uh, you know, maybe make some cool factory automotive, uh, interiors, but make them correct, you know, and then have good customer service. Unlike this company. Um, you know, so anyone listening wants to make a lot of money. That's a great opportunity there for you. Um, anyway, so that was frustrating, but, uh, the interior guy I'm working with is just so great. So, um, I'm really happy to at least have that going for me. Um, and so that whole dilemma is still being, uh, finalized. So he should be done with the seats. I think this week. So um, you're doing two interiors at the same time now or <laughs> kind of, uh, so, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that's going to be doing my paint in the Bronco. I wanted to have, um, I wanted to have some work done, uh, basically getting the, uh, um, Bronco kind of ready for paint. So I wanted to pull the interior out. Um, the mold kind of, and the, and the wetness kind of preempted that. So I kind of jumped the gun a little faster than I'd wanted to, but basically that truck should be going off the paint here in the next few weeks. Um, I'll be pulling the rest of the interior out and that'll be out of the garage for a while. Um, and then the, the, I'll have new upholstery to put in it when it's all done. Um, and then in the meantime, uh, I've been working on getting the Chevy ready to go to the interior shop to have that full interior done, everything headliner kick panels, uh, sun visors, uh, door panels, everything. Um, and so what I've been working on there is I wanted to get my, uh, stereo kind of plumbed and situated, um, you know, trying to get speakers and doors and stuff like that. So that way when he goes in, he can just kind of have at it and I don't have to pull stuff back apart, kind of redo work. Like that just doesn't make sense. So, um, so I finally, I went and bought some speakers this week. Um, I did a lot of research on some different speakers, uh, and talked to, um, one of my buddies at work, who's kind of an acoustic audio, uh, guru. Um, and, uh, he, we kind of looked at some frequency response curves of different speakers and found a, like a really good speaker. I think that will work good for me. Um, and so now I just need an amplifier and, uh, then I can hook it up to the, uh, an amplifier, hook that up to my equalizer, which then hooks up to my a uh, little 3d Bluetooth board that I printed, uh, behind my factory radio. 
And so uh, I'm really excited to get that going. And so today I made some panels um, that fit in the rear quarter. Um, and they're like a little metal panel I screwed in there. And um, I uh, bought these little like, they're like a foam bucket that you stick your speaker in. So that when you, when your speaker is inside of your door, it doesn't have, it's one, it's not exposed to elements. So it's, it seals it, but it also gives it something to push against. It's like a little uh, foam enclosure. Um, and you could buy those they are called door baffles. They're really cheap and it's like super nice. It adds a lot of acoustic properties to the sound, I guess. So, um, going to try that, see how that works. Um, and, uh, anyway, got that all done today. And, uh, and now I'm kind of at the point where I need to make sure my back window is 100% sealed. So when I put my amp back there, I don't short anything out or drench it in water. So, um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's really coming along. I'm hoping you know to get a couple of these projects buttoned up here in the next you know three or four months, and then uh, you know on to on to the next thing. So that's that's my exciting garage stuff <laughs> for this week. Quite a, quite eventful. I mean, like it's good news and bad news. It's a bummer that uh, you had um, mold potentially, and that you had to do an emergency. Um, you know, situation there, but that, that truck could use a little bit of, a little bit of extra love other than just the, you know, the transmission and the gas tank, some, some fun things on the interior, you know, that yeah. thing has been so original for so long. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that, that wear out when, when people say, Oh, you know, my, my diesel truck will go 450,000 miles. No problem. You know, it's low miles. It's only got 280. Yeah, but the interior is not going to hold up for 450,000 miles. You're going to have to do that. U joints, things like that, you know. So it's, I think that thing's earned, it's earned that and it's earned at least limited slip. I mean, you've got that truck with full open diffs, but. uh, That's going to happen. I think uh, after paint, I think my next, my next plan is to do the true track in in the rear and then maybe a a locker in the front selectable locker in the front yeah you've put so much work into the the mustang and the and the chevy that i think it's i think it's the broncos turn because you you love that thing to death that thing's been in your family for how long now uh 81 my dad bought it uh so it was like three years old had like 60,000 miles when he bought it. Actually, when I was looking through, uh, I was trying to find the original uh, fabric sample that the, that company had sent me 13 years ago when I was in high school. Um, and uh, I found the envelope. And in the envelope, I found a picture of the Bronco uh, back in the 90s, like uh, from, you know, back before my parents uh, in their current house, back before it was all developed and there was a street going through there. It was just their house and like a little cul-de-sac. And, um, and it, it had to been from like the mid nineties and it was just like had fresh paint on it looked beautiful. And in behind there was a, was a picture of one of their original, like their, their loan application for the Bronco. And then, a, uh, you know, they had the, uh, they had the, like, uh, not the window sticker, but it was like the original little advertisement for it and shit. Like it was so cool to like go back through the folder and find that stuff, you know, that you're looking back and you're like, Oh man, this thing has been around the family forever, you know? And then there was a, my mom was sending me sending me pictures. Uh, she was going through photo albums, and there's a picture of me. I was probably like five, and we just got back from skiing, and I'm standing in front of the Bronco uh, in my ski gear, and it's pretty funny, <laughs> you know. 
and I'm 30 now or oh, 29 now. So, um, you know, yeah, 39 years that you guys have had that vehicle in your family. That's, that's worth, that's worth talking about. That's, that is an amazing feat to keep something and running. It's not like some piece of junk out in the back. It's, it's a nearly daily driver. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's not been that car that's been, uh, I, it's one of the things I'm kind of proud of, I guess, about it is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I restored it. I did this, I did that. Well, like this thing's never not been on the road. Like it's always been out doing its duty, serving, serving the, serving the family, doing, you know, uh, serving its purpose, you know. It, um, and it has 400 ish thousand miles. Yeah. It's coming up on there right on, right around there. Um, I think it's, I think the odometer is like, it reads 360 ish, but it's, uh, my dad's had bigger tires on there since he got it. Well, basically since like the early eighties. So it, if you, after you add all that up, like it's a small change, but it's enough to be like, yeah, it's almost 400. So, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, shit, even since I've been driving and I've put, uh, 50,000 miles on it, 55,000 miles on it since I started driving it 10 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, I think I started driving it 12 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Which isn't that much. I mean, that's not as, as much as some of my other cars. Like, I think I put put eighty thousand on my Mustang. Well, I mean, that's that's as many miles per year as I put on the Bullet. So that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, what's the highest mile vehicle you've you've had or driven? Mm, I think the six had I think a hundred and eighty on it. Well, you drove my Bronco at one point. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I've owned it at least then. <laughs> yeah, not not counting the Bronco, it's either my Ranger, which just clicked over 170, uh, or my dad's King Ranch, which I, I drove that regularly enough, and that's 220, 225 right now, and it regularly hauls a, uh, a weekend warrior-type trailer between Portland and Southern California every year so that that thing's a champ original engine yeah original that's amazing. and that's a six liter right yeah and yeah. it's not fully bulletproof <laughs> yeah. and it still does it all so yeah that's that's gonna piss off any cummins owners listening right now sorry yeah. <laughs> there's Sometimes no way that six liters original it's Don't had buy the, inferior products the fuel rails <laughs> have been replaced the injectors have been replaced the turbo has been rebuilt and that's about it. Like the EGR cooler was updated, but not all of the bulletproof stuff, just some of it. Um, but uh, so Andy, what uh, what did you figure out with your Mustang? Because last time you were on, it was some pretty frustrating news with batteries going dead left and right. But you, you figured something out then, huh? But one, one good thing, one mildly depressing slash stupid thing. So long story short, I was threatening to part this car out over a friggin' fuse. <laughs> or I should say not over a fuse, over a lack thereof. A missing fuse? Yeah. Don't ask me how, because I have no idea how. So I well, went... with a, with a, a an interior like a a new edge interior, it could have just rattled right out. It very well could have. That's the thing. (laughs) 
who knows? So traction control has not worked on my car since I put it back together over a year ago. Don't know how. Long story short, I checked all the fuses under the under the steering column in the in the fuse box inside the car. All the fuses were all good. Everything lit up as it should. I said, "Well, you that's know, a rhyme. For, that's a good rhyme." Just, just just for just for funsies, I checked the extra slots for where other fuses would go, just to see if anything had power that shouldn't. Sure enough, there's a slot that had power. I go, hmm, let's throw a five amp fuse in there and see what happens. And yeah, traction control works again. Oh, isn't it? Isn't it the same fuse for traction control and ABS on a new engine? Yes. Yes. So you didn't have ABS either? No. <laughs> Which is why the whole system didn't work. ABS and traction control didn't work at all. Just from a fuse. It's from a fuse. That's or, that's or embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I mean, I, I, I had no reason to suspect the fuse was missing because as far as I knew, everything worked before. I mean, I know traction, traction control worked before, but hmm. so, so missing fuse solved that problem. Got the battery would not come back. So I had that exchange, put a new battery in it and started thinking about like why the battery is going dead. And, Cause I'd never had this issue again before ripping the car apart and putting it back together, you know, with all the stuff we upgraded. And so I was thinking, I was like, well, the only thing that changed, I mean, A, we moved the battery to the trunk because we put the oil filter where the battery sits in the engine bay, but that really shouldn't be causing a draw. So the only other suspect was the new exhaust setup with the cutouts. Oh yeah, because you have uh, electronically controlled butterfly valves in the exhaust. See, see, senor, part of the new exhaust system, right? So, I checked that. So the the whole system, with nothing on in the car at all, had a little over, like, one point two amp draw on the system, which is what killed the battery. So I took the fuse out of the cutout system from the switch down to the cutouts. And it lost like three quarters of an amp draw. Hmm. Which Weird. comes back basically normal. You should have a there should be a little bit of a draw for the you know, the electronics and the computers and stuff. So the cutouts are the draw then? It's the cutouts of a draw, but I don't know why. It's um, the only I mean it's a momentary switch that opens and closes that, that butterfly valve. Unless, unless the actual switch or the uh, or the motor itself down there is bad, maybe, that's a, maybe a, a diode the, or something in there shorted out, maybe. Possibly, I have to, I have to dive into it more because they also they don't stay totally closed when it's running. Like they always tend to like open up a little bit. I don't know what the deal is. Weird. Well, at least you don't have the draw now, right? Yeah, as long as they leave the fuse out of it. Yeah. So you're not going to part it out then? Not yet. We'll give it another week. This could change next <laughs> week. I haven't driven it yet, so this still hasn't solved the issue of why it still gets a misfire every now and then. Why it doesn't consistently run smoothly. But yeah, but a little, little bit of that's just kind of the nature of the beast when you double the horsepower of, of a vehicle. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's going week to week. Where you know, it, we might we might go on death route and just carburet it. Yeah, a boy. 
He's finally oh, coming around. Yeah. Add a Glock 750 double pumper on there or whatever. <laughs> Street Demon. A little something, something. Who knows? Yeah, there you but, go. But yeah, that's the extent of it. I mean, I was going to try and drive it this weekend, but I ran out of time. And did you did you figure out the the battery issues with the focus? Um, I think it just it, it just probably from just sitting out in the teens, cold outside for a couple of weeks, not driving it. I think it just killed it because I brought it I brought it back in, put it on the on the tender for a couple of days, and it came back. It's been sitting outside. I've been driving it like once a week, and it's been fine. Okay, so at that in the that hard cold, in the hard cold, it takes an extra couple seconds to start it. You can kind of feel it, but I think that's all it was. That's yeah, not super unusual. Yeah, I mean, it probably it probably sat for four or five weeks outside in in the harsh cold, and I think that's just what did it. Excellent. Well, I don't I don't have anything uh, garage related other than both of my vehicles had check engine lights come back. Um, that's about it. I know what they are. It's the same ones. I think I have a. Actually, I think the uh, X5 has a, a split urea case. Um, so with those diesels, they have the uh, the def fluid that well, def. Um, uh, injection and one thing that can happen with those especially that model is uh, around the the seam of them because they're put together with a vertical seam uh, is that plastic housing that holds the def will actually crack and split and leak and so we had we had that replaced and filled mm, about 2,000 miles ago, a little bit before we left for Texas. And you should have to have that filled when you do an oil change every 10 to 11,000 miles. And it's been, you know, 2,000 miles and it says 800 miles uh, till no start um, because it's going to run out. So I think it's leaking, leaking out there's no way it's overusing it by that much and i would think it was a sensor but it did this before that's why we took it in and they're like well the oil change was only done a bit ago uh, but they topped it off anyway so I, I think it's a split case and so that causes a check engine light uh, and the ranger anyone who's over ever owned a ranger more than 150,000 miles knows that the um the uh, oxygen sensors get dirty on those all the time. When I was running that thing hard from uh, Portland to Texas, the light went away the whole trip because I was running it hard and it was heating yeah. up and, off and, it, and it burned it all off. But I, uh, I've been commuting for a couple of weeks now again and the light came back. And I'm like, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So those things, those things just get dirty. There's nothing you can do about it. And so it's, you know, couple hundred dollars every couple of years to you know replace the ones that go bad yeah frustrating but you can try and clean them but generally whatever it takes to clean them ends up shortening their life substantially and then they do go out so oh two sensors on a ford it's just a common thing i mean my 
my my six ate them up too all the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the squeaky power steering. It's it's just yeah. something you know. It's a Ford. It's a Ford. You hear it coming. You hear you hear you hear it coming around the corner. You hear, oh, here comes a Ford. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Other other than that, um, the only thing I've really done is uh, my wife and I spent uh, most of the day Saturday kind of clearing and organizing and painting uh, our, our garage. Um, you know, it's just a slightly oversized two bay, uh, should have enough room for uh, comfortably all of our crap around the edges and the X5 and the dirt bikes and lawn maintenance stuff. And that, that'll be it. If I didn't have the bikes, I could probably fit the Ranger in there too, but you know, priorities. So, so far we just, uh, got about two thirds of it painted. Um, and it was just, you know, contractor grade. It was all unpainted, just badly mud and taped. And that was, that was the end of it with a really bad garage door, which I'll get to. I have a habit of buying bad garage doors. Um, I know a guy who can fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically enough, he's only three hours away from you, actually. Yeah. Um, so we we started painting, and it it's amazing what mm, three coats of paint will do. Yeah. Because it, it just drinks it in. But uh, as as soon as we got done that day, there's so much more light in the garage now having white walls and a white ceiling, you know, it'll be nice to to finish it up. But right now my lighting in there, my lighting setup is a single CFL bulb and whatever light is on this 2007 standard issue overhead door, garage door. And so not much. So I'm, I'm wanting to put in, uh, good like good lighting systems and going through the you know the big box home improvement stores they've got these big you know flat panel i probably won't do inset but kind of more closer to flush mount panels and what i need to figure out is how much light is too much light or if i should just get too many of them and set them up on a dimmer so that i have more crossover light and it won't make such shadows um and i know andy you've done You've done lighting in your garage, uh, and that was a big improvement from the pictures that you sent us uh, a while back. Uh, so, do you have any any recommendations for like we'll go with a you know a, a two car garage is uh, what Jeff and I have is kind of slightly oversized two car garage. Jeff's got Jeff's got almost almost a three deep almost or not a three deep but three deep almost but. No, like you've got the same size I do, just an oversized, like, you know, like a 20 by 20. What I did is I got, I mean, I already had some of them, so I just went back to the, the LED, like the, just the standard, like the, you know, plug-in style LED that you can chain, you can like chain them together, you know? Um, yeah, and is that how, like how many, do you, you probably don't know off the top of your head how many lumens each one puts out, but is it like the size of like a, uh, uh, the size of like a four fluorescent uh, setup, just to kind of give people an idea of. It's the it's like a, it's yeah. If like if you didn't have the cover on it, it's like a four. It's like four foot bulb, you know, with like two bulbs by f- four feet long, the little like mm-hmm. round style. 
just yeah. with a cover on it, you know, for like an LED equivalent, basically. Yeah. And you have how many of those set up in your garage? I have two, I have six total. I have two rows of three, three at the front, which are covered when the door is open and then yeah. three. That's always that problem when the doors open, but the idea is, you know, you've got all the light pouring in and then when it gets nighttime, you're going to close the door anyway. Right. The, the fix for that though is, um, I put it when the door is open, if I need something underneath there, I mounted my little led spotlight to my door itself. Ah, nice. I conveniently pointed it right at the engine bay where I'd be working. That's smart. So, um, so when you when you did that, is that the right amount of light? Is it because I know it's, my dad kind of perfect. flooded his. Okay. So my dad did the same thing. He flooded his too. What I have in my garage is perfect. It's not blinding me, but it's the perfect amount of light that's bright in there, and I don't have like a dim corner anywhere. Yeah, because you want to be able to read part numbers on stuff that you pull out of an engine bay, but at the same right. time not have any bits of of chrome, uh, you know keeping you yeah. from being able to see what you're doing. If you're like buffing, uh, buffing right, something, right. you know, you're waxing the car. You need to be able to actually see what you're doing. Right. My, no, my dad's garage, you know, his garage, he's got twice the amount of garage, but also like three times the amount of lighting I do. Yeah. Cause he's got a three bay. Right. So he took the old halogen, you know, two bulbs in there with the ballast in there. He took those out and I, I was just there last week. Um, you took those out and bought the LED tubes that go in there. You basically delete the ballast in there, just plug and play, basically. And then he brought like the brightest ones that they sold on wherever he bought them from. And it it is overkill. When they were putting them in, they're like, ah, we should only put one in each each side, you know, because it's uh, kind of like the same setup there. He's got like six foot tubes and there's two tubes on each fixture. So they put bulbs in each one of them. And it is ungodly bright. Like it huh. only one of those bulbs per tube. So does he just turn on some of them or do they always all come on? Has he thought about, they're, are they they're all on? They're all on right now and it's a lot. But the nice thing with those is they have a field of view so he can angle them. So he's kind of got it. He angled them. So like the two by the workbench are angled towards the wall. The two in the center are kind of pointed down and the other ones are pointed out. So it's not terrible, but it is really, really bright. Yeah, that, that helps. So what's like what's the heat on yours like Kelvin wise? Would you say that they're that they're, they're like they're, a warm twenty seven hundred? They're daylight style. They're, so they're daylight 5, style, like a five K. So I don't I took all the yellow I hate the yellow light. I took all that out of my entire house when I bought it and put everything 5k in. Yeah. We're, uh, we're in the process of changing most everything over to, to 5k. We've got 2,700 K yeah, throughout the house. And I'm personally, I'm more of like a, like a, a bright, bright white, which is I think like four, like 42 or something. Uh, yeah. I've, forget what that one is but i i like it kind of right in the middle i think sometimes daylight can make it look a little bit blue but you know five, uh, five is perfect for me it's not you don't get into like six you start to get blue which is not the best for like five to me seems very blue compared to what i like <laughs> yeah daylight 
Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. everything I have in my house is well, at least most of the stuff is is very like yellowy and orange, warm kind of homey feeling. That that seventies vibe. Uh yeah yeah like Edison bulb style light you know color yeah. light coming out you know. Oh Jeff, you like this? We got we got an Ed- Edison LED for above our uh, kitchen table. Oh, did you? Yeah, because it's a big big exposed. Um, big exposed light and so it's a big globe it's a i think it's a four inch globe those are cool uh with a like a lantern style filament in it those are really cool um, yeah so it's the kind of the tall the tall long filaments uh, but it does look it looks really neat it kind of gives some some character to the to all that um but back in the garage uh that's one big thing for me is I never had proper lighting in my old garage. My old garage was awesome, but hard to use. It was more than double deep. And then it also went double wide, but you only had one door to get in. So when you went over away from the door to the, to the right had room for that. That was our laundry area. And then there was a enclosed storage room but for all of that, there was like six bulbs for giving out the light, and the the ceilings went up. Yeah, you had uh, things too. What were they like? Twelve, like almost twelve feet up there. No, you probably had t- you you had an eight foot door, and I think you had two feet. You probably had ten foot ceilings. They were really yeah, nice pretty, though. Pretty... Those were great. Yeah, because I think I have an eight foot ceiling uh, in my standard cookie cutter house. You know, yeah. it's just. Yeah, it's just like one of the big builders. I forget if it's Lamar mm-hmm. or DR or whatever. It's just one of these mid two thousands houses, so it's very cookie cutter now. Um, yeah, so you probably yeah, it's probably you probably got the same kind of style setup I've got. It's probably a twenty by twenty garage setup, sixteen yeah. by seven door with an eight foot ceiling. That that sounds right for sure. And uh, another thing yeah. that's frustrating, they don't put any lighting in, and I have two sets of outlets and they're both on the, you know, the front wall. I have nothing on the sides. <laughs> oh, that's infuriating. It's awful. I do have two breaker switches that are empty. Um, so I'm hoping to run, run them across. Just I'll just do expose. I'll run conduit uh, and run exposed uh, gang boxes on the outside. Cause that's easy to run. Um, and I'm thinking I need to put, 220 at least on one side. Oh, you're going to get a uh, welder? For, for welder access and for, you know, my impending EV. Because uh, uh, that's uh, going to happen soon. Uh, hey, bud. Instant acceleration. Yes, you sir. need a welder more than you need an EV, man. Go the other way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get old cars, chop them up, drop them, you know, that cool stuff. Get and, then well do, for me. and then do a Tesla swap. There you go. Hey, Jeff, give me a letter grade right now. Every vehicle I've owned older than 2000. Give me an overall letter grade for my project vehicles. Oh, as far as how successful they've been? Yes. Oh, yeah, you're, you're doing pretty poor. <laughs> Somewhere between <laughs> F and F minus, I think, is where I sit. Yeah, but hey, man, you're just, now that you have the space... And the time, you know. Oh yeah, the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah running, time running in the world, in, right? 
running a division and two kids and the podcast network. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got time, man. Just make it happen. Oh, I'll see what the big deal is. I got. I have literally free <laughs> minutes. Like I have, I have entire minutes per mm. week. Yeah, you could minutes you could do week. entire minutes uh, working on a on a cool old car. Certainly. Building your dream nine fourteen. Come on. Okay, now I'm listening. <laughs> see. Puzzles are made one piece at a time, man. I've never finished a puzzle in my life. Jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> you you pay someone to finish your puzzles for you. <laughs> Granny doesn't want to play a game. Um, so Andy, what 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 are some other things? Because for me, lighting and plugs are just the first things I'm going to do. Eventually, floor storage. Uh, th- storage is definitely nice. Workspace is nice. So what what would you recommend? Because at this point I'm thinking like a like an eight foot wide, thirty inch deep um, workbench, probably uh, uh, like you can laminate two by fours and and put a top on there. Uh, that makes yeah. for a pretty strong uh, surface. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about that, and I got to get a bottom cabinet for my uh, my toolbox, and then I'm trying to decide between plastic stackers and the uh light duty uh metal stackers for uh like pallet racking yeah uh, along at least one wall what other without giving a cabinet maker three thousand dollars what would you what would you recommend for uh you know because if you're going to do that then that's a whole nother that's a whole nother kettle of fish but other than that i did what i did wasn't like i never had a for sure, like kind of a idea, it kind of just fell into my hands. Like I got some like shelving and stuff from some neighbors, and then I went <clears throat> and bought another set of it from a guy on Craigslist. It's, it's that um, that like key mod style, um, you know, shelving that you put racks in. So I got a bunch of that from a neighbor, and I went and bought another set off Craigslist. And you know, it's like a six foot shelf that you can kind of convert, or you can make like three sets of like four foot shelves or something like that, you know? Um, so along one wall, I have three sets of those and then my tall cabinet and then my toolbox. And that gives me extra space underneath for the storage totes and whatnot. And then the top is my workspace. Um, and then the back wall, I got another set of two of those for, you know, some more like just storage basin and tires and whatnot back there. And then that leaves me my other wall on the far side of the car for my yard and lawn tools and whatnot. Do you have like one of those fancy like tire racks where it's kind of the metal bars bracketed to the wall to hold like whole sets of I, tires? I, I thought I thought about it. I look for them every now and then, but I I ended up just putting them in the attic. I've I've I floored it. I floored in like half of the attic, and I've got stuff up there. Yeah, we we actually just got done doing the the same thing with our attic. Frame framed it up and floored it. Yeah, it's so nice to actually have storage, be able to put your stuff up above. Yeah, all my seasonal stuff is up there. My I've got I think three sets of tires and wheels up there now, three or four now. Um, Did you guys have a drop down to to like uh, climb up in there? Do you have to get a ladder out or? No, right now I have to skip the ladder, and I haven't put a drop down in yet. I don't, I don't know if I ever will or not, but 
they're pretty nice. They they make it pretty easy. Yeah. And you have a nice big entry into there, you know. I mean, I could. If I did it, I'd have to kind of redo some of what I already did. Because if I was going to do it, I would put it where I've already floored in so that um, I wouldn't have to necessarily move the focus out to get up there. That's what I have to do right now because I just put the, you know, they put the two-by-two hole right in the middle of the garage. Of course. So, I mean, at least I can do it now with only moving the focus out. But, right. yeah, if I ever did, I'd have to, you know, redo a little bit, which would be the end of the world if I was going to do that. Then I could do it without moving a car out, which would be nice. Yeah, I'm jealous of you guys. You have attics above your, your garages. I have a bedroom above mine. Ah, yeah, that kind of kills that idea then. Yeah, I mean, it's good for a lot of people. It's just, you know, it's not, not much of an option for me, so it's going to be everything on the walls. So that's why I was yeah. looking at those light-duty stackers to go up. Yeah, then did you go that route then. You'll take one wall for that for your storage then. I mean, Home Depot is pretty reasonable. I mean... I usually I, I I went and bought a bunch of the like twenty some gallon whatever like the medium sized duty totes on sale on Black Friday. They were cheap and they're like four bucks a pop. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. Yeah, yeah, I know. I bought this year. I bought like ten, and the year before I bought ten too, and they're totally worth it. Yeah, when we were doing our move, we ended up investing in. Oh, it was probably ended up being 20 totes, uh, new totes, you know, and they all match and they all stack well, but like the, they don't handle the weight of, of things very well so that I can still can't stack them, but at least they'll all look uniform. But, um, yeah, we're going to, when we paint, we're going to put, I forgot to mention, so we're painting all the walls and stuff white, but we're going to put, uh, our come down about two inches and then we're going to put i think uh she's thinking a two inch red stripe all the way across the top like the beer up... <laughs> red stripe we are accepting uh, any and all sponsorship opportunities um, are you listening red stripe and then a one inch blue stripe below that um so that should look really cool um and so i want to put stackers kind of just up to there um and use all that up i might even bolt it to the wall do it proper for yeah. once but uh, yeah, if you're gonna use a bunch of you know if you're gonna use a bunch of that for storage and whatnot i would get those get those six foot high you know the medium duty <clears throat> units those would do you good yeah, they're they're not bad. They seem to be about seventy five bucks uh, a set, and they hold like yeah. four hundred pounds per yeah per level and like two thousand pounds total. Right. Yeah, I won't use that, but I won't I won't have to worry about setting my yeah. You don't uh, have to worry about it. Falling. I I never trusted nor liked the plastic ones. They're always cheap. They don't hold as much, and they're just too flimsy. I had the plastic ones, and they're good for for those storage totes. Um, like I might do that on the, you don't fill them up. Yeah. Yeah. I might do them on the other side for like, my wife has all of the, uh, you know, baby clothes we've ever, uh, owned. Yeah. Uh, we still have all that. So we might put that cause that's all going to be lightweight, but putting, right. putting my circular saw up on that, like I would set it down and go, mm, no, and set it somewhere yeah, else. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. But what about floors? Uh, have, have 
I haven't, you know, done any any floors, but I I really want to do I think an epoxy, but I'm not sure if epoxy I want to do is the like, way to go. Have you done Have you done a floor yet? I not on mine. I should. I when we moved in, I kind of just threw shit together and um, <clears throat> yeah, never. That- I I still, I never painted the walls or anything in my garage. It's still just, you know, this, the plain drywall with, you know, taped and everything. It's mm-hmm. nothing I painted it, which I should have. And I never did the floor, which I also should have. But I know we did, uh, um, at my dad's, we did epoxy on the third bay, on the deep bay. Was that a, nice. was that a pain or was it, was it pretty manageable? I mean, it was, a, it was only a pain because we had to move everything out, you know, it was mm-hmm. kind of an after process, but like if you're, if you don't have stuff in there and whatnot, it's, you know, nice to do. Don't do it when it's cold, obviously, but, um, like finished products, it's nice. There's a lot of, like, I, I see a lot of nice epoxy floors and stuff here and I'm totally jealous every time I go into a garage, it's got a nice epoxy floor. Yeah. Uh, by, by your trade, you get to see a lot of, a lot of nice garages so yeah. that you must get yeah, a lot get, of ideas. I get a lot of good ideas all the time for stuff. I'll never have time or money to build. <laughs> Yeah, epoxy floor is definitely nice. It's if you if you don't have you know you don't have to have your garage full right now of stuff. Like I would say, do it. I should have done it before we before I filled my garage up. Yeah, I'm, I might do that before I buy the stackers. Um, that's, I, I would. That's kind of the well, plan. Start start with the paint your walls. You know, so then if you get paint on the floor, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Your walls are painted. Like do your floor, and then and then go up from there. That's the right way to do it. Agreed. Oh, how about you, Jeff? You said you you uh, you finished out your uh, your attic, and I know you kind of have a shelf um, over in one corner, like a big, like eight by eight shelf that's like a couple feet off of the ceiling uh, that you're able to put some parts up on. Yeah, no, I uh, we basically cleared that out. Um, I've still got some spare parts up there, but yeah, no, I we towed everything up and uh, put it up in the, the uh, freshly framed out attic and um, cleaned up a lot of the garage, a lot of the mess that was there, um, which really helped things, I think, for uh, you know storage wise. And then um, you know next next steps are really to rebuild our um, <clears throat> rebuild our the kind of the bench area where you know where I have all my um, kind of my working area. Um, since it's just kind of cheap vinyl over, you know, uh, particle board right now. So it's pretty, it's pretty hokey, but, uh, you know, down the road, we like to get some nice metal top, uh, you know, bench top or something. But yeah, no, other than that, the, the floor is not sealed. I don't really have any intent of doing that yet. I don't know. I'd rather move to Idaho and, uh, build a nicer house there. Attaboy. <laughs> Attaboy. I just got to get Shelly on the same page. Well, you know, when, once you're, when you're ready to go, I, I know a soon-to-be new agent over here. Oh, yeah, right. Good call. Except she, she might be like a few hours south of uh, where I'm looking, but, you know. I'm going to look all over the state. That's true, friend. that's true. We'll go through and we'll just talk about the video games. Do we want to go like chronologically? Is there anyone that we want to start? Okay, with I'll start out. Let's do um, Need for Speed Underground. Um, okay, so that's going to be the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we could we could go somewhere else. You want to go somewhere else? No, no, no. Let's let's let, let's. Uh, 
we can we, we can either PlayStation. I can fire it Dude, up. I got it right in the bedroom <laughs> right now. I could I could play that game in a minute. Like that is that is one of the best games. Uh, Need for Speed Underground and Underground Two, best games like hands down racing games. Like I mean, from like the the years that I was growing up and going into like you know the Fast and the Furious and all that stuff. Like I think what did it come out? What two thousand two, two thousand three, something like that was the first one on PS2. I think I played the first Need for Speed Underground through two or three times. And I love that game. That game was so fantastic. It was so interesting. Like they had the, uh, had so many different, like, uh, like tuner cars that were super popular at the time. I, I was really looking forward to the Mustang. I can't remember if it had a Mustang in it or not. Um, but, uh, it like all the body kits and the colors and all like you, I think you get uh, spinners or maybe that was on uh, Underground too, but um, just super super cool and uh, all the music had like a little John in it and uh, all this like you know it just it was so like of the time you know I'm you know I'm I'm like 13, 14 year old Jeff hanging out in his in his room playing these video games it was just awesome you know and. Uh, Underground. So I, I picked up I picked up a bunch of retro stuff over the last few years, and so I've played through one and two recently. And one was interesting because the cars to me almost kind of sucked. Like they weren't they weren't uh, what I was expecting, having come from uh, other games like uh, directly before it, coming from uh, Hot Pursuit and such, where you get mustangs and vipers and lamborghinis you get thrown into like uh, a dodge neon and a hyundai tiburon and you know uh, uh, a focus zx3 and then you know you eventually work up to uh like a nissan skyline and r34 um you know, you you have to upgrade to a Peugeot two hundred six for crying out loud. The funny thing about <laughs> those games, though, was they were they were it wasn't just like it wasn't just like on paper what was good about it. It was just the the experience of the game is a lot like it reminds me of what Forza Horizon is now. It was just it was exciting. It was interesting. It was this whole scene that was kind of built around like it was just this weird culture, you know, like that came from the video game and then the video game kind of fed the culture and it kind of paired with fast and the furious when that came out, it was just this whole. And it was, it was almost the first open world car game, you know, don't at me. I'm sure something else came first, but for most people's memories, it's the first truly open world that you could actually, you know, you drive around and go to the different waypoints and, you know, hit the button and the singular SMS text message. Singular, would come in. yeah, the uh, the AT and T, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had singular um, as my phone provider, I believe, just a couple of years after the game came out. Um, but that's what was so much fun about it is is coming from the other games where it was, you know, level by level. This was you could just free roam. And then do a drag race, then do a, a drift, and that was another thing. Is they had all the different stuff, including street cross drift or street and, X you know, or whatever it was called. 
Yeah, Street X, whatever the heck that was. I think it was their attempt at like autocross oh, would be my guess. You know, like short course, you know. Um, yeah, you're basically racing on the drift just, course. That was just such um, a good game. Like the noises, the soundtrack and the, and the noises that game had, I think were unrivaled for a lot of years um, because... It, it was different it, than they anything had, Like else. every mod you did to your car changed the note of it, changed the how it sounded a little bit. You know, and you could tune it. You could actually go in onto the track and you could tune your ECU and change your fuel distribution and all this weird stuff that, you know, they still don't have in games now. But and sure, it was very arcadey in, in the way it did it. But it was just it was just super unique and super embracing of like tuner culture, you know. And uh, I mean, I can't tell you. OK, I am I am conflating. We are conflating the uh, both games. We're kind of talking about both of them at once because. The open world was in two, and a lot of the individual tuning was also in number two. Um, but the the almost boring car list is from one, and and two is when they when they started adding in You're the right, high yeah. powered cars. But it's kind of kind of fun when I when I got through Underground One, it was fun to drive those slow cars fast, and you know the you know you only had so much nitrous right. and you had to you had to right. figure out when to use it right yeah no it was uh it was such a good game you know and then you unlock the different parts of the city on like number two is the one i remember the most because it's the one i always play and uh, i still play it to this day because to me i don't think there's been a need for speed game that has rivaled it in terms of its and the fun aspect of that game like uh, every, um, I think I think there's one that does. But before before we move to that, Andy, did you did you play this when it was concurrent? Oh, definitely. Riders on the yes. storm. <laughs> right. You don't immediately recognize the song that being synonymous with the game. Yeah, <laughs> there's no hope for you. <laughs> Riders on the uh, Riders on the Storm by the Doors and Snoop Dogg um, was the was it's the new, uh, was right? the music that would start. Yeah, as soon as it would come Intro on music, and uh, and man, you know, they just had they had so many good cars in that game, and just everything was so unique. I think the the best car I played in that game was my uh, I had a eighty six Corolla. And that thing, it did. It wasn't the fastest, but man, it yeah. could take any corner. Like none of the other cars could handle like that one. And uh... you gave me that tip a few months back uh, when I was playing through it. And once I once I got it kind of tuned in a little bit, that was definitely the killer. The oh, killer yeah. app. It, yeah, that, for that, that, game. that that car. Like when I I was like, cool, I'll build an RX seven just to try it, you know, and and nothing could compare to the a86 with the handling it was just insane but it was so cool just to see like how different each car behaved and like you know you could choose so many different paths with that they even had muscle cars in that one you know they had the gto and they had the um, the mustang and they had just epic just noises you know like and when i was you know i think when that game came out i think i was maybe 15 and i was just i remember at night i'd be laying in bed and i just imagined myself like shifting through gears and like making car noises, you know, and stuff. I'm like, oh, man, that'd be so cool. You know, one day I'm going to have a, a 350Z <laughs> or something. And... I feel like 
the first one was proof of concept and the second one was the game that they wanted yeah. to build the second one had a storyline it had mm-hmm. voice acting like right. legitimate voice acting it had that weird kind of um kind of graphical um cut scenes in it that they tried to bring back uh just a couple of years ago um <laughs> But it was it was weird. But it, it gave you a a story and something to go towards, and you would get on the that was so magazines. cool. Yeah, you do the photo shoots and the DVD covers. Yeah. It was great. Right. Drive to the fountain. Yeah. And take a photo. We're getting too nostalgic here. I, damn it! You're, I'm I'm going. I'm, I'm going to end up the route Randy's going. I'm going to have to look for a PS2 and pick I, uh, this up. I, need I was really this. stupid mm-hmm. when I was young, and I I sold my original PS2, and uh, I had another one, a Slim. And uh, and the Slim sat in my parents' bedroom as their DVD player for, uh, I'd say, 13, 14 years. And they they left it plugged in the whole time and never used it one time. And, uh, yeah, yeah, no, seriously. They, really? I, I got it from my parents' house, and uh, there was just, it was just caked in dust. It was just nasty. But I plugged it right in and started working. But my controller is pretty janky. But, uh, but, yeah, so that's my new – yeah, that's my new – ps2 so um but yeah no they're like that game is just so like it's so of the period and i don't think i mean there's only one game from need for speed uh franchise that i've enjoyed since um and that would be most wanted and that was just the the one that came directly after underground 2 not the more recent most wanted yeah the old underground Yep, that's that's where I was. That's where I was going uh, earlier. The only one that would compare, I think, um, Need for Speed Underground Two is a better game, but it doesn't have the police. And I think that Most Wanted is eight to yeah. nine tenths as good with customization and options. And I think the map is a little bit better, but I think that's subjective. Um, but the fact that it has the the police chases in it, you know, because that's really where that series came into its own was uh, Need for Speed 3, Hot Pursuit. You know, that was the big thing. And then fast forward, you know, into the consoles and you have Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit 2 was another high watermark. And we'll talk about those more in depth. But uh, I think most like uh most wanted that followed underground Two, those are the best the best in that in that generation like going from um into the xbox 360 ps3 generation for most wanted yeah most wanted i think uh was uh, a shared platform with uh xbox and xbox 360 was uh so you could get it on either one yes it was cross-generation game and i have it for both i have it for original xbox and for xbox 360 and i have underground and underground 2 for playstation 2 and the like what they can do with the because i played them back to back i played the xbox and the xbox 360 version of the game and i'll i'll probably never put in the original xbox version because there's there's nothing better about it it's just it's the same exact game, but better graphics, better draw distances, and having a proper draw distance and a little bit better, you know, 
pixel density is hugely helpful for that game. If you go back to Underground 1, it's fine that it's on that generation, but they were trying to push that generation of the original Xbox too hard for a, for for you know the game and so everything is kind of washed out and low poly gotcha yeah i was kind of wondering about that because i know my i had a buddy at the time who had a 360 that got that game and uh, i don't think i ever got to play it but i saw videos of it online and it looked like the graphics were substantially better than what i have it it is very good the the three the 360 version is is a much more it's more fun to play because the cars look better, the the better lighting effects and the draw distance. Um, you can see the turns coming a little bit better and more clear. And, you know, the tire smokes just a little bit better. Other than that, it so, plays so my, the So am I correct in saying then that – so I'm, I'm looking up this right now so I can find it. So should I – Go with the PlayStation 2 version or the original Xbox Do you have version. a PlayStation 2? Do you have an Xbox? Not currently. But you do have an original Xbox. I do have the original Xbox. Yes, I bought then that model that a makes... while back. Those should be very yeah. equivalent. Yeah. Then I think that's yeah. the route You're getting going. Underground too. Yeah, I found two. a copy yes. for 10 bucks. Yes, order it because they don't have it backwards compatible. I, I looked yeah, the don't. other day. Uh, they have very few backwards compatible. I have a I have a uh, backwards compatible PS3 that I still need to fix. They stopped doing that too. Oh, yeah, do that because, yeah. Yeah, Xbox has been very good about allowing backwards compatibility uh, for, for their old stuff. Yeah, PlayStation stopped doing that after midway after their PS3 uh, generation, so they don't have any backwards compatibility. Yeah, and it, it's complicated, and you need the uh, actual developers to update the game is the problem. So it's it's not just a matter of flipping a switch. The developers have to go in and update stuff, and some games the developers have actually kind of bumped the graphics without changing the playability. So to take a quick diversion, uh, there's a uh, THQ, which is now THQ Nordic game from the original Xbox PS2 era called MX Unleashed. And it's probably best of breed for, for that. And it's even though it's so old, they updated just the graphics of the gameplay. Um, they didn't try and make it more complicated. They didn't try and throw in textures. They just kind of sharpened it a little bit and sharpened the character models to look okay on a, on a flat screen at, you know, 1080. And that makes the game more playable. Cause again, I have it on PS2 and I play that up on the Tritanian and it's more fun to play the updated version. Cause they didn't mess with the physics. They didn't mess with any of that. And that's what I want. I want Need for Speed Underground 2 with updated updated graphical quality and you know yes. updated sound, but I don't want them to mess with the gameplay. I don't want them to monkey with any right. of that. Right, exactly. Just a revamp, no changing anything else. I don't want them to do what they did with you know Link to the Past here recently where they gave it 
quote unquote quality of life improvements and you know they did no, that no, with no, no, no. the old pokemons they they brought those up with the let's go series which is fun but that's not what i want i want need for speed underground 2 without the eye strain correct yeah but ea no. is not listening to me so. they want to they'd rather push microtransactions well. Hey, that's that's you know for the sense of sense of accomplishment, you know. So so they say. Yeah, for a sense of pride and accomplishment. Oh boy. Anyway, um, so to step away from Need for Speed for a moment, um, as far as pure fun goes, uh, in the same era. Burnout. Don't sue me. I never played Burnout. You didn't? Uh, Jeff, do you have any familiarity with Burnout? Truth, truth be told, uh, don't hate me, but I found the Need for Speed games way more fun. Um, going in crazy. I think that's probably why. That's probably why yeah, I never played it. Yeah, it was really hard to pull me away from Need for Speed. Like, I had Gran Turismo and I had a few others. Um, and I, I even had Burnout 3, I think, but I, I played it a handful of times, but it was one of those games where I'm like, you know, I just, every time I would go grab Need for Speed Underground 2, and, because that's the game I wanted to be playing wow. all the time. Like, there was... I think, I, yeah, that's pretty... Because I had Gran Turismo too. that yeah. was probably the, my second one. Yeah, because honestly, like, for... Burnout wow, so yeah, more... You... It felt very arcadey. I didn't like how the cars handled, and i i didn't I didn't really enjoy it's the crashing arcade-y. element either. I thought that was like I mean I know that's the whole point of the game, but I just like I like the racing aspect and I like the driving cars fast, you know. And the and burnout just felt more like I don't know. I was just driving around a crash, you know. It just it, it was just it, it didn't do it for me. Well, there's no accounting for taste, so. No, like if you know if if it's just not what you're into, it's not what you're into. But I'd recommend anyone else listening to give it a shot. Not Paradise, Burnout Three Takedown, and Burnout Revenge are. I played I played those for, I would say between fifty and seventy hours each. I loved those games to death. You know, some people grew up with Final Fantasy. That was my thing. I might have more time on Burnout than than the equivalent Forza of the time. But again, it was it was more need for speed uh, then. But I, I definitely have more hours in Hot Pursuit 2 and Underground 2 than I do Burnout, just because you have the free roam that, you know, Burnout didn't even try until Paradise, which that's another can of worms. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoy it, but it's, it's a completely different game. It's very arcadey. It's very crash oriented but when you get into a flow in that game it's the same it's the same as uh underground 2 when when you would start hitting your marks and you would start catching catching people and you would or you would find a a good line and be feeling it in the drift section and you would go from not beating a drift section and trying it over and over to doubling or tripling the score because you don't lose your combo. 
it's that feeling where you're like, oh, I just need 80,000. You keep getting 65, 70, 68, and then 320,000 points of 80,000. You're like, yes, I wrecked them. It had that same good feeling uh, when you would find a flow in burnout. Um, but hey, if, uh, if I'm the only one who played it, then I'm I'm just uh, preaching to myself. What's what? So what's another one you guys liked that was maybe not a a mainline one? Other than mainline, I never ventured off. I mean, like I said, I played my PS came with was the Gran Turismo three package. So I played that until Underground two came out, and that's that was the extent of most of. I mean, so you played three A spec quite a bit then. Yes, I played, I played a um, lot of that. That one. Oh, was, go ahead. No, I, go ahead. Well, I think that was maybe a launch title because yeah, I know yeah. I had the same. I think one. I got it with my PlayStation. Um, it too. was, yeah. They, I, I distinctly remember I got it for Christmas. It came with the. It was it came with the 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 VC the, the A spec package. Yeah, that was the first. That was the first racing game that like had a. Excuse me had a career mode that I played through and I I really liked it at the time and it still kind of holds up, but it feels very slow. Um, It it was, it was very slow. I mean, it had, it was a bit of a steep, like initial curve too, from never playing much racing games to that, like to a going and, you know, having to do all the licensing and everything. Like you want to, like you wanted to just get in and jump into a, supercar or something and go fast and you have like oh no you can only drive the the pinto PT until cruiser. you get you know get your licensing yep the pt cruiser is your best bet when you start that game which is just awful yeah terrible but just terrible had so many good licensed ga- uh, vehicles in it though the, it was it was unfortunate that it was gated like it was that you couldn't get to them but there were so yeah. many good cars. If you if you didn't mod the Pikes Peak Escudo to the max, yep, I played. You did not I, play I, that's exactly what I did. On a, I, I think I played Gran Turismo Four too, and uh, there was a race you could do in the specialty races, and you could win this like in in two quick races. You can win this Toyota something, and that uh, was worth two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. So I would yeah. just repeatedly do that and just yep. sell it and sell it, sell it and bank all this money. And, uh, yeah, yep. just I remember doing modding that. the crap out of the cars. Yeah. That was, that was a fun game. I do think that the rally was the strongest part of Gran Turismo three. For some reason, that's, that's what I ended up playing a lot was the rally stuff. The, um, yeah, the other game, a couple other games from the era that I, I really liked were, Test drive and test drive off road wide open. I never got wide open. I had test drive four by four for the PC. I'd imagine it was pretty similar. They had, um, I don't remember they, so they had off road races and all types of different stuff. And then they, I would do like, they'd have like a free roam and they had three different maps. And uh, one was in Hawaii, one was in like Yosemite. And one was uh, Moab or something like that, and um, uh, you, you, it was one of the only games I could find that had a classic Bronco in, which I thought was awesome. 
So had the early Broncos in, and uh, of course I I always would race the classic Bronco, but they had like F one fifties and stuff, and you can you can uh, deck them out as pre runners, or you could lift them and do them more like a rock crawler style, and then you know you race them, and uh, you know you do all these different races and stuff, and then um, and free roam, you know you can go climb these mountains and do all this crazy stuff, and it was it was always super fun, um, and then. What did you play? What system did you no, was play PS2. that on? Was that on console? Yeah, PS2 was yeah. kind of like, I, I think I had everything on PS2. And uh, it, it was one of those consoles, too, that you could just get any, like, they made so many games. And they just... PS2 it was so, so many. There's yeah. a huge, huge yeah. range. And, you know... And they kept, and it stayed as like one of the leading consoles for years, didn't it? I mean, I think it was one of the, um, uh, just what was it? Was it ten years or something before till the PS3 or four, six years or something? Eight years? Yeah, it was a long. They made a time. lot of games in that short amount of time, or that, or I guess a long amount of time, however long it ran. They made a lot of games for it. I feel like none of the newer consoles, um, even through the PS3 and the PS4 have rivaled in the number of games developed uh, compared to PS2. So uh, the PS2 was released in March of 2000 and uh, wasn't discontinued until 2013. God, that's, <laughs> that's so long. Said. I mean, I, I had my PS2... God, not, not too long ago, honestly, probably. Yeah, because I mean, they they released the the PS3 in August of 08. so five years after the, they didn't discontinue the uh, uh, the PS2 until five years after the PS3 had been out. Yeah, no, PlayStation Two. Uh, I went through I went through controllers on the PS2 because I would just I just played so much it would wear the uh, analog sticks out eventually but they I think all the PlayStation well. uh, controllers honestly hold up really well. They really do. I mean, it's amazing. I, I don't think I ever went through a PlayStation one no Xbox controllers once I got in the college. Right, yeah, the uh, <laughs> I think I still had all of my original PS2 controllers and they all still worked. But uh and the PS3 one still that I have the batteries still hold a charge for, you know, a good you know I don't know, probably a half day or so, 12, 12 hours probably use, um, which is still pretty good. Yeah, I've had That's that thing good. for, uh, well, since it came out, whenever PS3 came out. So do you have any uh, video, do you have any, uh, sorry, do you have any racing games for PS3? Mm, oh, um, Midnight Club LA. I, I actually really, it was very oh, arcadey, yeah. but I really enjoyed oh. it because of the, the car uh, quality in it um, and just like the selection of cars, the scenery, uh, it was really a beautiful game, you know, like they, they, the way they did the, you know, the, the view of, of Los Angeles and stuff was just awesome. And, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was a really well done game. I enjoyed that one a lot. I think they used a lot of that architecture for GTA five um, would be my guess. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's why the cars in GTA work, you know, semi well. It's semi regarded as a as a decent. Racing oh yeah, game. no, it's it's GTA super 5. fun actually as a racing game. I 
Yeah, and I think that's why is they had so much, you know, between Midnight Club, Midnight Club Dub Edition, and Midnight Club <laughs> Dub Edition. We did remix. glance over those. I did enjoy Dub Edition Remix and Dub Edition. Those were such good games because they that gave you access to motorcycles, mm-hmm. uh, hydraulics. Yeah. So many things that no other game had even, you know, at the time, Need for Speed Underground giving you underglow was a oh, big I know. deal. You could modify your, your stereo. You could put a stereo in the back of your car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in number two. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in Underground 2, they started offering SUVs. Yeah. You could put the uh, the Escalade, put the plasma screens in the back of those, right? Right. Put the thousand fiberglass enclosure in the back with six screens, four amps, <laughs> two subs, and it doesn't change the performance at all. Right. It, Thank you for catching my. Point. It was it was pimp my ride in uh, in a racing game. It was great. You know the. Yo, the dog, let me let me pimp your '96 Ford Escort. Have you noticed the worst how part uh, about we're kind of story is... about the escort? <laughs> have you, have, oh god! Have you noticed that so, the uh, the frame of reference for all of the success of any other game has always been come back to Need for Speed Underground? We just yep. yeah, pretty we just kind of keep going back to that game as being like the quintessential best racing game. It is the standard to to measure everything against. I think some games are better. But that is still what you, because it's a touchstone that everyone has familiarity with. Right. It's it's the foundation. It's the roots of everything. Yep. It's when we went from arcade to sim. Uh, in you know, in in a sense, there were some more simulated games like the NASCAR games and such. But really, yeah. that it, like short of the IndyCar and NASCAR games, Need for Speed was what brought us out of cruise in usa physics yeah exactly yeah yeah wonderful wonderful games um yeah it, we keep coming back to it for for a good reason because it, it it allowed you to actually feel what different cars did instead of oh this one's just faster or this one just handles better because we make the other ones just go wide they actually changed how the cars worked to such a level that taking the Diablo versus the SVT Cobra versus the Viper versus the Z06 was noticeably different between, you know, the all-wheel drive cars, the front-wheel drive cars would, you know, understeer versus the rear-wheel drive cars that would snap oversteer, but all differently at the same time. Yeah. And they had unique audio tracks for each car too. It wasn't just a typical engine note, you know. Um, had each one had a very unique and distinct audio track yeah. that would change. It wasn't car engine dot wave for yeah. all of them. It was yeah, yeah. It was like they actually like recorded the cars, which was so good. Uh, and then you go through that, and then you add a, uh, you know, the the tire screeches and the nitrous boost and the the soundtrack to all that. And it was just audibly a really good game. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that kind of has kind of unseated need for speed. I mean, those were, those were the standard bears for then, but really since, 
I would say their first miss was um, uh, was the Hot Pursuit that they redid. Um, so like around 2010 is probably when they stopped making good Need for Speed games. Um, and by then, uh, Forza had kind of taken hold. And I, I think that that's probably what's running the market right now. Um, cause by then we've got horizon coming on the, the scene in 2010 and that gave us an open world, highly customizable, huge, uh, you know, variation of, of cars. And that kind of did what, what we wanted from need for speed that it wasn't giving us. Right. Um, and there's so many uh, Forza games that they've they've really figured their stuff out there, and I I really want EA and Need for Speed to you know come back to to being the games that people want to buy. I mean, people spend money on them, but for the same reason that they spend money on Madden, it's just because oh this is. This is the game that EA puts out for this thing that I like. Um, but I think that they could do a lot better um, if they just go back to the drawing board and look at why people liked, you know, from Need for Speed 3 up to um, Undercover. Undercover was their last good one. And even then it was it was still not quite what the other games were. Right. I, I think I played uh, Shift and Undercover as well, and I didn't like either of those. Yeah, and I think Shift was uh, Race Wars, basically, which was fine, but it's it's you know not what we were hoping it would be when it came out. No, they, it was like they got reasonably decent you know car selection, and they were you know kind of okay mods, but just the execution was poor. The you know there was just a lot of a lot of stuff missing from from those games. They didn't have that soul, that 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 thing that kept pulling you back to the game. And you know, the these many these game makers aren't going to find it in an online um, you know atmosphere. You can't just rely on on you know Xbox One to be the carrier the carrier for an interesting game. Like I played, and I know you guys also played Underground and Most Wanted. Uh, in a way that, you know, you never played it online with your friends. You just, you could play the campaign or the, or the game all the way through and be completely 100% entertained just doing that. And you could play that over and over and over. And it wasn't a short one either. Like it, if you were truly playing it, I mean, it would take you a few weeks to beat that game. If you were really playing it hard every night, you know, um, and, and if you were actually exploring and enjoying some of the nuances of the game, it would take you even longer. Um, they were just, they were just way more fun. You know, they, they're missing that fun element. I think now. Definitely. For, for my experience, um, it was a multiplayer game, not, not online, but we would play uh, underground and underground too, you know, I was, you know, we were just at that age. I would have uh, three or four friends over and, you know, we could play whatever multiplayer game was out. Like we'd play Halo for a while, 
But when we got sick of that, Need for Speed Underground was a multiplayer game. Underground 2, we would, you know, take turns like, oh, you're better at the drift stuff. You're better at drag stuff. You're better at, at you know, circuit stuff. Um, and we would uh, keep an eye on the map for each other uh, when we played Most Wanted. It's like, okay, you're going to want to take the next right because they could look down at the mini map and they could kind of give you updates of where you should go and you would trust your friend that they know where they're going to go and you pick you know, the right shortcut while you're driving and then you all kind of choose together you know, how to modify the car and, oh, I think it's kind of doing this. Oh, yeah, that's... And you could actively adjust as as a team you kind of made a race team um out of out of that just you know mountain dew pizza and need for speed was you know would would keep us going for for eight hours uh without much trouble but i think that's that's most of at least need for speed you know for a a a few few game chunk that's that's really the most important thing to hit early on and next next time uh that we do kind of a video game centric uh subject we may hit uh, the simulation stuff a little bit more um uh you know more on the gran turismo maybe the more modern uh forza and forza horizon series um grid is a great simulation game um, so there's there's tons we can still uh, still figure out, but I think that's probably probably a night for us here. Um, so I want to remind everyone that uh, Garage Night's part of part of a larger network. We just launched uh, a video game podcast. So if you enjoyed this, you enjoy more video game stuff. Uh, head on over to uh, Just Another Side Quest. Uh, it's on all major carriers, um, so definitely check that out. We're very proud of that uh, starting up. Um, but uh, I'd like to just uh, uh, you know put out a thank you for everyone listening. Uh, we've got uh, listeners uh, all across the U.S. and up in Canada and uh, uh, across seas as and well. Abroad. So I'd like to thank yes, yes, also also there. Um, so thanks for listening and, uh, um, do we have any, any final thoughts, uh, to go out on? Check out all the other podcasts. They're great. Andy, you got any, you got any other final, final thoughts on anything we talked about today? Sorry, you, you, you caught me off guard. I was ordering underground two on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I guess his is, is buy underground two, uh, and play by by old games. Yes, by old cards, by old games. I think Jeff might be right on this one. I think so. And I'll say, uh, give give Burnout Three Takedown or Burnout Revenge a shot uh, if you like a little more arcade in your racing games. And uh, with that, uh, we'll say good night. Good night, hey y'all. Good night, everybody. listening to the garage night podcast a special thanks for jeff tracy and annie tamlin for joining the show this week until next week keep turning wrenches